Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm now going to welcome someone to the stage who is well known to you because she's a Dublin local. It's Alison Spittle! <laughs> they love you, Alison. They love you. They love you. Have you had a great week, Alison? You've been here at the Dublin Comedy Festival? I've had a fabulous week. Do you know, when she came in, she was wearing a jumper that said kittens. Now it says repeal. Yeah. <laughs> that is... <laughs> I don't know what's happened. I don't know what that word could be about. <laughs> well, I felt it was the safest place to wear this jumper. Um, I'm well, still afraid to wear it in Westmead, but... <laughs> here... <laughs> I get that joke. <laughs> Westmead, eh? Eh? Westmead? Westmead? You know what people are like in Westmead? Only one in from Westmead. Hey! Would you wear a repeal jumper there? No. no. Sure. I went on one of your television shows the other night. Basically, there was a man who was a generation older than me, and he said, I'm so proud of Ireland for its equality. We're so equal here all of the time. Equal marriage, we're just equal. We're all about equality here, and I just get so proud of it. I'm happy for anyone to do anything as long as it's legal. And I went, yeah, that is sort of the point. Some things aren't legal that would... Well, that's what I said in my head. I thought, it's six o'clock. Am I allowed to say abortion on the television? And so I just went, ah. And then the presenter went, and next up, Owen in the kitchen. And I went, mmm, goat's cheese pizza. Yes, that's how we protest in Ireland, goat's cheese pizza. Like, yeah. Sure, in fact, we won't get bodily autonomy, but we'll get a panini, goddammit, it's Dublin. It's Dublin. 
It's why I love you guys. It's why I love you guys. I feel right at home here. You should have seen what was on the other channel at six o'clock. What? Just bells. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I so want to be involved in this joy. I have no clue what this is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The... <laughs> what is bells? Oh, it's the Angelus, right? Oh. Which is a totally secular thing that this country has held on to because oh. we're a secular country. Okay, is that the bells that you hear at six o'clock and then yeah. everyone has to stop and pray? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh that is serene. funny then. Yeah, that is, that is a good joke. You have to look serene or you're the devil, you know? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> So probably it wasn't, although maybe all the religious people were watching the bells, so I could have got away with a full old repeal the apes on the old goat's cheese pizza channel. It's the only, yeah, it's the only way we'll win this. You know? <laughs> Distract them with mass. <laughs> as soon as Leo calls this referendum, right, get the Pope to visit. That's what you do. They won't know what to do, so they will. All right, uh, let's play. I'm a feminist, but... I'm a feminist, but I just realised this morning I've forgotten to have a pap smear for five years. Okay, that can't be the first one. Well, the pap smear thing, does it get... I don't know. Uh, like, is it like when you don't tune up an engine after five years is a bit rusty or what goes on? I don't, I'm about to find out. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but when offered the chance to pray to the goddess Eru by crawling under a massive stone to be reborn, I worried that I'd get my jeans dirty and passed on it. <laughs> I mean, like, I, yeah, I get offered a lot. Uh, <laughs> People just think I'm a pagan because uh, I don't like Catholicism that much. You've not mentioned it. Have I not? I'm a feminist, but when I heard that Trump's new communication director, Anthony Scaramucci, didn't attend the birth of his child, but instead sent his wife a text saying, congratulations, I'll pray for him, and stayed away a further four days, and that his wife, Deirdre, responded by filing for divorce... <laughs> I did think, yeah, good for you, sister, but also, you probably shouldn't have married a horrendous right-wing Republican Tea Party monster nicknamed by his friends the Mooch, should you now? <laughs> if his friends have nicknamed him the Mooch, he's an asshole. Yeah, well, it depends. Like, you know, you could be like, I can change him, you know? <laughs> there's I can change him, and there's Trump and Scaramucci. Yeah. Cuddle the racism out. Just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a feminist, but when emceeing a comedy show yesterday and seeing Catherine Bohart for the first time do so well, I felt sad for two seconds. And then I realised she lived in London and I felt happy again. <laughs> She's very good, lads. Oh. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but
but some days I'd love to have an hour off feminism and being a woman and just be a great big cis straight white man with an attitude problem and a load of entitlement in his trousers and a fast car called girl's name. <laughs> We'd all love that, wouldn't we? Yeah. Start just for an hour. Just yeah. for an hour. Just be chill. I'd take off the hour and listen to R. Kelly. That's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> with no shame. <laughs> do you know? I'm a feminist, but when my 19-year-old cousin failed to be the Tipperary Rose of Trulli, <laughs> I'm not going to get any of the jokes in the <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I tried to comfort her with not winning by telling her that the winner was a wizened old crone. <laughs> the winner is 26. <laughs> You may have to explain to our global listeners, Alison, yeah. what that is. A wizened old crone. <laughs> no, the Tipperary Rose oh. of Trulli, or whatever you said. Well, here's another one of our wonderful traditions. <laughs> um, Rose of Trulli is a uh, wonderful competition that happens once a year where um, women dress up in a ballroom gown and maybe do a tap dance or a tin whistle and uh, talk about how much they love Ireland and uh, for that they win a load of crystal and a free car for a year for a year? for a year that's and then they have the option price. for a year? for a year well, they, then they take it back? well no they have the option to buy it then for a reduced price <laughs> <laughs> good deal like it's, uh, but that's just like a, or that's a false advertising that's pushing cars on young women who don't want them <laughs> or you could recite a poem there's many ways you can win the rose truly what would you do Alison what would I do Jesus now let me think uh, I think you should I'd, do the Angelas yeah that's what I do I'd do the Angelas boom Irish show boom Irish show boom Irish show Yeah. Uh. I'd go extra Irish, do the Angelus on a tin of USA assorted biscuits. Local <laughs> 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 reference. And we're back to Liz and me understanding nothing. <laughs> Live from the Vodafone Comedy Festival in Dublin, the Spontaneity Show presents The Guilty Feminist with Deborah Francis White and guest co host Alison Spittle and very special guest Liz Mealy talking about shamelessness. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I actually looked up what shame was. Okay. What would you say shame is? Would you like to find shame? Life. Uh, uh, shame would be to be embarrassed about something, but in a like serious way, do you know? That's interesting. It's actually... When you say interesting, does that mean interesting is wrong? <laughs> No, no, I'm just interested in how different people perceive it. It actually comes from the word to cover. And it's from Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Oh. And when they covered themselves, that was an act of shame. It's like covering yourself up. So shame, this is the Wikipedia definition, which I thought was useful. Shame is a painful social emotion that can be seen as resulting from comparisons 
of the self's action with the self-standards. So if your actions are removed from your standards, but which may equally stem from comparison of the self-state of being with the ideal social context standard. So you can be ashamed because you think, I should have been kind and gone and visited my grandmother and I just didn't go. Or you can be ashamed because on the bus stop, on the way to see your grandmother, there's a picture of Jennifer Aniston advertising water with svelte tan skin. And she's visited your granny. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and she... That was my point, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, it wasn't, it wasn't. She's just so nice. She would, like, you know. It wasn't. (laughs) Thus, shame may stem from volitional action or simply self-regard. No action by the shamed being is required. Simply existing is enough. That made me sad. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you can just exist in your shame. Are you thinking that's great because you're feeling like, oh, great, at least I don't have to do anything. No heavy lifting. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That is, you know, like, just wear a bolero and you're grand. <laughs> just because, like, that is the biggest thing I'm ashamed of, is, like, showing off my arms. I find it weird. I think it's a very Irish woman thing as well. Like, I was thinking, like, a good, like, porn name for a film for Irish women would be called Not Without My Cardigan. <laughs> Do you know? I'm um, starting to go fund me. Um. Um, oh, by the way, at the end of the show, I have to catch a plane to Wales. So I have to run off the stage. And normally I stay and say hi. And like people, like I take, I have to run. And I'm so sorry. And I feel so guilty about that. Shame. That's what Do I you know shame. who would stay after a show? Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> she would. Would you like to hear some stand-up from Alison Spittle? Then please, put your hands together and make general woohoo noises for the wonderful, the only, the Irish, Alison Spittle! Um, so, when we came up with the subject, we decided we were going to do our challenges were going to be incorporated into our stand-up, right? And I just want to give you a bit of background to me. This is about shamelessness. And I have had a pure diet of shame since I've been a little child. Like, you know, you're not Irish if you don't have a bit of shame. That's how we work. It's our petrol, so it is, right? It's what keeps this country moving. You know, <laughs> the Celtic tiger was built on shame, so it was. And... Uh, I've been trying, slowly but surely, to try and get over shame generally. When I do stand-up comedy, I normally don't do it about sex or sexual things because, (laughs) you know? Because I'm a good girl. And and then I was thinking, like, why bother not having that? Like, what am I ashamed of? And uh, I've been trying for the past while to be less shameful. And one of the first things I did was I interviewed a lady called Shauna Scott, who owns this wonderful Irish sex shop called sexshop.ie. Now, the last time I was in a sex shop was just to have a giggle and then run out. Like, I just, it was, <laughs> it was like ringing a doorbell and run away. There, <laughs> Jesus, and ran out, you know, <laughs> before I got any notions about myself, you know. <laughs> That's how to get you, you know. So um, I decided to interview her, and she's wonderful and sex positive, and I'm just sex negative, so it was very hard. And I, what I did, instead of like talking about actual sex toys like an adult, right, what I instead did was start talking about the material that sex toys are made out of, right? 
So I'd be going to her. So that's real latex, is it? And that's made in County Carlow, yeah? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like a presenter on ear to the ground, so I was just... I'm sorry, all the local references. So then we kind of, I ran out of things to say and she said, she tried to keep the conversation going. She, was like, she said to me, Alison, is there any kind of Irish materials you think that could be used in a sex toy? And, you know, I'm a tinker, I'm an ideas person. So I threw out the first one was bog oak, right? Bog oak. It's... <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's basically petrified wood you get in the... And uh, what happens is uh, lots of secondary schools around the country use bog oak for their TY mini businesses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I see the lads from St. Fintan's have really fought inside the box. Very good, you know. So... <laughs> Um, so I'm trying more and more to get over it and she asked me like this is the worst one like this is the worst one she goes is there anything else and I went what, what about a briquette <laughs> a briquette and she was like no Alison no you, you can't use that <laughs> why would you use it and then I tried to defend myself and I was like uh, it's ridged uh, <laughs> <laughs> like it's already made <laughs> you're grand <laughs> Do you know, so that's the most I've been able to talk about it. Um, or, or, um, like, I had a nickname in school. My nickname in school was St. Frigid, right? St. Frigid. Patron saint of cock-blocking, that's what I was. Because, I said, God, uh, you won't notice in podcasts, but I'm a little bit of a larger lady, and uh, a larger lady in nightclubs, we have a role, so we do, especially in rural nightclubs, right? Because I got in stand-up comedy for the power, and the power I had as the fat friend of attractive women was immense in nightclubs, <laughs> right? Because I swear to God, if you didn't respect me, I would block you so hard. <laughs> I would. I would. <laughs> I would. I <laughs> would. Not, not only would you have to seduce my friend, but you would also have to give me a contingency plan of what I would do for the four hours you were riding my friend. I would require a six-pack of Heineken and a box set, right? Do you know? And if you stepped over the line, I'd be going to my friend, Siobhan, Siobhan, I would have got a Supermax now and go home, right? Because we'd have to share the taxi and it would be about 50 euro each. So that's the way it was. But, so my challenge anyway, I decided to take a proper challenge. I went to this burlesque night and I was just trying to let go because this woman called Katrina, who's lovely, she pulled me up and she was going to give me a lap dance on stage. And I don't know if any of you have ever had a lap dance before. I didn't know where to put my hands or anything. I was just giving the thumbs up. <laughs> like, Fair play, fair play. <laughs> Good on you now, that's confidence, that's confidence. <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to say it in a complimentary form, you know, because you know the way Irish people, if you ever hear someone go, Jesus, she's full of confidence. That's, uh, <laughs> that's normally something to slight them, you know? <laughs> You're like, so she was moving like a fidget spinner, so she was, she was incredible. 
I was in awe, so I was. I tell you now, I just, I did something to make myself feel less guilty, but I ended up feeling guiltier because I never thought about the state of my butthole before until I saw her. And then I was like, is it feminine enough that I have mine? But I'm glad I ended on that weird one. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, you'll edit that out, won't you? Tin of USA assorted biscuits. Let's go back to that. Um, Yeah, that's my challenge. Thank you. I'm blushing now, so I am. Mortal. Please welcome to the stage, Deborah Francis White. know my body for a very, very long time. I avoided it entirely. I didn't look at it. I didn't think about it. I wasn't connected to it for like almost my whole life. I just walked around like a brain inside a beaten up, stolen car I was ashamed of. I would just ignore it and I would like not like to see it clothed or unclothed in mirrors. I would look away. If my body was my spouse, it would have left me. (laughs) Because if your partner came into the room and you went, oh, and then just ignored them. And then when they took their clothes off, went, <laughs> they could not stay with you. And that's really basically how I felt. I was ghosting my body, is what I'm saying to you. <laughs> I was ghosting my own body. And then about two years ago, I took up yoga. I mean, I, I'm obviously not that serious about it because I don't say practicing yoga. Uh, if serious people say, how long have you been practicing yoga? How is your yoga practice going? I don't say that because I feel stupid. I feel embarrassed <laughs> saying it. I would probably say it to other yoga people, but if I say it to you, I'll feel shame. Uh, do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's a cycle. It's a terrible cycle. But no, I seriously have been doing it for a couple of years. Honestly, it feels like I've been dating my body for two years. Recently, I hadn't done yoga for a week or 10 days, and I went to a yoga class. My body took me. My body was like, you need to go to yoga now. And I went to the class, and I was there on the mat, and it was like, honestly, it was I'd never had this experience before. My body was going, oh, it's nice to see you. I've missed you. It was, I know, right? It was so nice. I felt like I'm on this date with my body and I haven't seen it for a couple of weeks. I've been on vacation or whatever and and it's just actually really nice. But the truth of the matter is, although I am now dating my body, there's parts of it I ignore. It's like I'm dating a drug dealer. (laughs) And I know that, but I'm trying not to know that. So I'm just looking away from the big white bags of stuff under the bed and like the loads of notes on the bedside table and I'm just being like, no, it's not a drug. What? There's no need to look at that. He's got such a nice car and he's great in bed. <laughs> let's not, let's pretend there's other explanations for the, 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 the body in the boot. And, and like, just let's just... Ah. So I decided for this challenge that I was going to have to look dead on at the parts of my body that I don't like. So I'm in Dublin in a hotel room and I thought, right, this morning I'm going to have to get to know my body. So I decided I was going to have to spend half an hour with my naked body in front of a full-length mirror. And the only mirror in the hotel room was above the desk. (laughs) So it was like a really big... So I had to get on a chair, take my clothes off, get on a chair and stand there staring at my body like this. And I thought, you've got to make your body big. You can't do a shame pose. You have to be like this. So I'm starfished in front of the mirror, 
And it's at that second, I remember, I did not put the do not disturb <laughs> sign on the door because I just hear that quick knock, knock open that housemaids do in hotels. Knock, knock open. Would you like me to refill the mini bar? And I just went, no thanks. <laughs> we haven't used anything. And keeping the full starfish, because this challenge is about shame. She went, okay then, and just closed the door and left. So at that point, I got down off the chair, opened the door, put the do not disturb on. And I do recommend if you do this at home, and I recommend you try this at home, please just like put a tie on the door, put a lock on the door, put a chair up against the door, get armed guards outside the door, whatever it is you people need to do to get through it do not make the same mistake. So I locked the door, I got back up and I was looking at myself and I was looking and I looked from the back and I saw this curve in my back. There's like, I've never, I didn't know it was there, never seen it before, but there's a curve in my back that's really beautiful. And I was like, oh my God, that's lovely. It's like a Greek statue would have that. This is beautiful. This is like, look at my arms and not like, look at, hey, there's a Mac and No, I was just like, look at the machinery of that. That's look what it can do. And I was like having this beautiful time with myself, looking at the top of my body. And then, I was like, the drug dealer is down there, and you know that. <laughs> Up here is the good guy who can get a good reservation at a nice restaurant and remembers to text you and say, did you get home okay? This is all the parts that are, but down, it's down here. And I was like, just, you're just gonna have to look. So I'm just looking at my thighs and I'm just looking at them and I'm going, okay, try and do something other than just stare at them and hate them. Like, what can you do? And I started sort of like taking fistfuls of thigh like it was Play-Doh and feeling it. What's that feel like? Okay, it just feels like cellulite and I still don't like it. And I was like, what is it that I could do? Like, maybe stop looking at yourself with all this gendered crap and like, look at yourself like a racehorse or a man. And like, and I was looking and I was still like, wasn't quite working. And I was like, this is because I'm too in my head. Like in the West, we intellectualize everything all the time. I'm going to have to do something. You know, like if you say the word, you know, luncheonette over and over and it loses its meaning. And I was like, I just have to get out of my head. And so I thought I'll put some music on. So I've been listening to the soundtrack from Baby Driver. You know, it's a good kind of get going feel to it. So I put on the first track and I was like, I'm going to dance. And then I just thought, like, I'm just going to get off the chair one more time and just check that the door is locked. And at that point, I did put a chair up at this point because I'm like, I'm going to be dancing to the Baby Driver soundtrack on a chair in front of a mirror in a hotel room naked. And so I got back up on the chair and I was like, bell bottoms, bell bottoms, bell bottoms, bell bottoms, bell bottoms. And then I was like, look at the bell bottoms. Yep, your bell, bo bell bottoms, bell bottoms. And what I discovered is that when the music stops, my body does not. <laughs> it keeps going for like ages. And I was like, okay, what can I do to like this more? To just release my shame? And I thought, yoga, yoga is the thing, right? That is the thing that connected me to my body. I'm going to do half an hour of naked yoga. And I went into downward facing dog. It turns out I have cellulite on the front of my thighs. On the front. Like, look here, there's no cellulite on the front of my thighs. In downward facing dog, it's all cellulite. And listen, you should do this. You should definitely do this because it's really good to do it. But please be warned, as I was not, there might be cellulite on the front of your thighs. If you're okay, like if you know about it, you're going to be okay. If you're warned, it, it's going to be okay. Not everyone might, but some of you will. And I need you to know that because it was a shock. And then I was like, just breathe. This is yoga is just be and breathe. And I was watching my stomach go up and down. And, and I mean, it's... 
A naked downward facing dog is the best way to get to know yourself. <laughs> There's something beautiful about the breathing and you suddenly start to feel like, yeah, I'm okay with this. This doesn't have to be anything other than it is. Why does this need to look like some arbitrary billboard? This is a beautiful breathing, living thing. It's carrying you around and it was really lovely. And then I remembered, I can never do the tree pose and it's not because I can't balance. It's because my foot slides down. And then this one yoga teacher recently said, well, maybe it's that your yoga pants are sort of slippery. So you need to sort of get some grippy socks or something. And I was like, I know, I know what will be grippier than yoga pants, nudity. So, <laughs> so I, I, uh, I, it was at this point that I realized there was a fucking full length mirror on the back of the bathroom door. <laughs> And I went, right, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do it. And I can show it to you right now. And if you're listening at home, it's not because I'm naked. Um, it's because I'm wearing a maxi dress and so my legs are naked underneath my dress. Um, but look, check this out. Check this out. Okay, so this is, this is... Not only can I do it, drink water and do it. I can like hands on hips. I can shake your hand. Like seriously, shake my hand. I can do it all day fucking long. I shake someone's hand. I can high five you. Not if you're not there. Yeah, absolutely. I can do whatever I like. I can do this all day long. Are you serious? So next time I go to yoga class, I'm just getting the kit off. Thank you very much. Hello, Guilty Feminist listeners. This is Deborah from The Guilty Feminist interrupting The Guilty Feminist briefly to tell you some news. If you are in Melbourne, there'll be a Guilty Feminist event as part of the Wheeler Centre's Festival of Questions. That will be on October the 15th. Tickets are $20. And the name of the event is What the Hell? The Handmaid's Tale in 2017. I will be hosting that. Please get a ticket now if you would like to, as they are selling fast. That's October 15th at the Wheeler Centre go to wheelercentre.com. If you're in Brisbane, there are only a few tickets left now for our show at the State Library of Queensland on October the 20th. If you're in Sydney, we've added an extra date on the 21st of October, and that's the only date now where there's tickets left, and that's at Giant Dwarf. If you're in Auckland, the Auckland Town Hall shows have sold out, so we've added an extra date on the 29th of October. If you are in Leicester, we are there on the 1st of December. That's Leicester in the UK. We're at the Y, so go to ymca.co.uk. And if you're in London, all current Guilty Feminist shows have sold out, but there are global pillage shows on the 5th and 18th of November. Please come and be in the high of mind. They're at 4pm at King's Place, the 5th and 18th of November. We would love to see you there. Also, Guilty Feminist Loud Voices is four half-hour scripted pieces by diverse writers. We would love you to go and listen to those, and you can find them at loudvoices.libson.com. And the writers are me, Bishke Ali, Avery Edison, and Matilda E. Beanie. Please go and listen to those. They're really good fun. They're really interesting, and they've got terrific casts in them. You can also search for them on Apple Podcasts. See you soon. Hope to see you somewhere live. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> Our guest today is a comedian who started performing comedy at the age of 16. She has since completed an animated web series called Damaged, as well as performing comedy all over the world and the internet. Please welcome, all the way from America, Liz Mealy! I loved it. It was lovely. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, I came specifically for this from America. It's really hard to get used to people calling you an American when you've been denying it your whole life. Oh, <laughs> is this a little bit of America shaming now? It's like, oh, it's like... I mean, it's so funny because I've never been patriotic ever, <laughs> ever. And then Trump happens and you're just like, should I just kill myself? Like, how? Like, because I've been touring overseas for about four years now. And like, at least I could leave the country with Obama. But now it's like, you literally have to like, be like, I didn't vote for him. Sorry, you look pretty. I didn't vote for him. I didn't like, yeah. I just feel like I have to do like, I can't say the Lord's work because I think that's how we got Trump. But I have to do <laughs> some kind of pro bono work every time I leave the country. It's funny to think that, like, I mean, we go around being like, we're great, we're great, we're great. But the truth of the matter, what we do affects the world. And only now, I'm 32 years old, and only now I'm like, oh, I get it. Uh. <laughs> and it's really sad. Like, sorry to bum everybody out. No, <laughs> no, we were bummed out before you oh, came. Okay, guys. Like, it's, it's, oh, we're, we're feminist. I forgot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we live in a state of equal measure, regret and shame yes and, of course uh, fear that's uh, how I got just here. looming but it feels like a time where women are kind of fighting back like I think we need to cast off our shame I think the reason it's worth talking about shame is we need to cast it off to be powerful like Superman or Wonder Woman there's no apology in the way that they enter a room yeah but I mean it's funny because now that like Marvel and DC and all that stuff is big I mean I think it actually disempowers what's kind of important about what's going on because truthfully people that just show up with superpowers there's nothing they can offer but people that come from nothing or come from a place of shame or didn't believe in themselves and they find it on their own and build themselves up that's what's kind of beautiful what's happening right now there are people that feel like they have nothing to offer but then see everything go to shit and find that little kernel of faith in themselves and blossom into something bigger like that's what's kind of amazing like this is kind of the worst but it's kind of beautiful what's coming out of it. You're so inspirational. Can you stay? 
Wow. Wow. Uh, what are you looking at me, Deborah? <laughs> What's the Irish comeback? What's the Irish comeback yeah. to Trump? We're neutral. Uh, we... <laughs> We'll let him land his plane uh, here for a little while and we'll say nothing. Um, <laughs> we were talking backstage and you were talking about Brené Brown. I mean, she's kind of been life-changing for me. I went through like a really terrible breakup, um, I guess eight years ago. Uh, just, you know, moved in with them. Two days later, stopped talking to me. And oh. just for like six months, I was living with a person I didn't know. Uh, best thing that ever happened to me, by the way. That's why I'm such a strong, independent woman. Um, <laughs> but I was like, Walk I was like, it was just kind of crazy. I dated a dude for two years, and then it's like I dated somebody else for six months. And I was just scared and confused. And I remember watching her vulnerability TED Talk and like kind of realizing, like, I've been doing stand-up since I was 16 years old. I just talk about myself for a living. And I, in some ways, am very vulnerable on stage, but like... I don't even know how I've had friends. Like, I never tell people how I feel. I have never, I have never been vulnerable in a relationship, whether it's like a personal friendship or with a boyfriend. And it was the first time that I was like, oh, I'm scared shitless all the time that somebody's actually gonna see me. And it was really important for me to watch and I started reading her books and I just cried the whole time. I've never cried more reading a book because like just talking about shame, it just makes you realize like, oh, I don't care about myself or I don't mm. think people would ever care about me as I am. Yet What's I'm a her philosophy? She has a sort of tenant. She, she she, a... I mean, her whole thing is like about worthiness and about how everything you do is if you think you have worthiness of love. So if you believe that you're worthy of love, I mean, it's actually kind of how I feel sometimes in the comedy community. If you have confidence and believe in yourself, it doesn't matter if you've been doing comedy for a day or you've been doing it for 40 years and you're famous. They're just kind people. But if you don't think you're worthy of love in this community, you're kind of a shithead. You're mean. You're posturing. You're, you're going around almost like putting your feathers up, making it be like, I'm famous and everybody should respect me. But if you believe that you deserve respect and you deserve love, you don't have to ask for it or push it on people. So I think the same thing happens in the real world, which is, you know, if you don't think you're worthy of love, you're constantly making yourself small or, or, or the opposite. You could be making yourself bigger, like a Trump kind of effect. But she believes that everything we do is because we either think we're worthy of love or we're not worthy of love. And that's where shame comes from. Even like how you were raised. Like my father was like super Catholic, went to Catholic school. We weren't raised Catholic, but the amount of shame I have if I don't write a thank you card is insane. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it's everything I do is never good enough. I know it's like cliche, but I read this really amazing quote on Instagram that like real, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Tell um, us more. Dude, Tell it's us a, more. there was a it's rainbow. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> just holding my cat crying. Um, but it really was about a lot of this stuff comes from, it doesn't matter how many people give you compliments, how many people say you're great or whatever. It's what you have defined as an important goal, whether it's respect or intelligence or beauty. And if you believe that you have it. And so it was such a great example. But like for me, I've learned to really love myself because I have very high standards. My father was very strict and like a perfectionist. And when I started to live up to first figure out what my standards were, not my father's, but then start to live up to them, it like blew my mind. And the first one was that I never told anybody how I felt, ever. So like dating has always been really hard because people are like, it goes from anything like, what do you want to eat? To like, how do you feel about anal? And I was just like, well, I'm up for everything. Um, 
But like, it's been interesting for me to be like, you know, I don't feel good. I don't think I want to go out with your friends. And it's not because I don't like your friends. It's because I'm having stomach problems and I don't feel good. And then for that person to be that like... That also works for anal as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> A multitude. But I've never told anybody that. And for somebody in my life to be like, well, then we won't go out. And I want to make you feel good. And I want you to feel okay. And it was like mind-blowing just to tell somebody how I feel and for them to accept that in the moment and want to take care of me. And I know that sounds really sad, but it takes a while because if you've never told anybody how you feel, you don't think they're going to accept it. That makes so much sense to me now why you can witness a pattern nothing to do with individuals, but you can witness a pattern or trend that there's more shame of women and it's because the whole world tells us we're not as worthy of love or respect just because of the history of the world because you only have to look at the makeup of Trump's cabinet and every time you see him sign a piece of paper, it doesn't matter if it's about women or not. If it's about healthcare, it's about women. If it's about, you know, the environment, it's about women. It's always someone making a decision for you. Yeah, he's surrounded by white men. So anybody who isn't in that picture is of course going to feel less worthy of being listened to. But what I find interesting, and I don't know if this is everybody's experience, when I started getting into stand-up, I was like 12, 13 years old. I started writing... 12 or 13 years old and you were doing stand-up? No, no, I was watching it. Oh, okay. And then I started writing when I was 14 and I started performing when I was 16. But, like, my challenge to myself was to figure out how I felt about things. Like, I didn't think I had opinions. I was like, all these people have these strong opinions and all these people are saying this stuff out loud. And I'm like, I wonder if I have those. But it's the same thing where it's just like, well, why am I always angry all the time? How do I actually feel about stuff? And you start to realize that, like, I read a lot. Like, I read a lot in the paper. I read a lot of books. But it wasn't until I started being like, well, why did I cry during this page? Or why was I angry about this? Like, there's these strong emotions that I've just been casting aside. Like, they're like, literally, I was like, is it a bug? What is going on here? I think society tells 14-year-old girls that their opinions are stupid. And that they don't matter. Yeah, like if you look at the Dunkirk film that has come out now and Harry Styles is in it, and there's quite a lot of articles going, Harry Styles is in it, his fan base will be there. And his fan base are young women. And I just find it quite strange that young women and things they like are constantly, constantly put down in a kind of like haha way, but it's still. But also, like, you can like Justin Bieber and read novels. Like, I don't know why they're like mutually exclusive, where like just because I'm dancing to Britney Spears doesn't mean I don't know how to read. Like, I don't know why. So, like, even the fact that you can be girl, like, I keep in mind when I'm a feminist, I don't know what I'm saying half the time, but like, I was raised as a tomboy. Like, I really was like, my dad wanted me to be feminine, but I'm also like chopping wood and not allowed to have feelings. And I was like, we gotta have a middle ground somewhere. <laughs> like, and so, you know, I just started wearing dresses on stage two years ago, like two years ago, because I was scared to be a woman on stage. But like, I love makeup, I love nail polish, and I love not telling people my feelings. So it's like, what do I do? <laughs> So it's like finding that middle ground where you can be feminine and you can, or not feminine, whatever you want to be, but you can be everything. Well, also our gender expression, which is, you know, whether or not we wear makeup or whether or not we wear, you know, dungarees or whatever, is not the same as our gender identity necessarily. And there is, I think femme gets a bad rap. A lot of time in feminism, it's like, well, she's not a serious feminist because she wears mascara and stilettos. It's like, these things are arbitrary. Have you ever just... walked in stilettos? It's so hard. I know. I it's admire a demonstration Eddie Izzard of power. so much. Yeah, a... <laughs> well, but that's an interesting one because we admire a man who does it. A man will get cred for wearing yeah, stilettos. That's true. But all of the women walking by, we're secretly judging them. The only time I judge stilettos is at an airport. <laughs> what is yeah. it with women at high heels and airport? Why? 
They're just what? better than us. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they are. I think it's a crazy place to wear heels. And that's the only time if I see women in any professional situation or out last night in Dublin at the comedy festival, I was looking at these women who were wearing fabulous sandals, high heels, and I was like, you go, girl, you look fantastic. At airports, I will judge you. Yeah. I'll be like, you are trying to get to a gate. <laughs> you are trying to get there fast. You are in my way. You are like, What? have you worn these for? And I want to stop women and go, this is such an over-feminist part. I want to stop women and go, what are you doing here? But it's not polite. So I don't. But, <laughs> but I think there are all sorts of ways that we judge anything that's femme or for women. Or It's true that action films get a lot more respect than romantic comedies. All the time. All the time. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because you get a peck on the cheek instead of a big, massive explosion, do you know? It just... It's all, all we're saying. But also, why is violence better than love? Huh? Ah. Right. That's right. That's right. That, I'm going to put that on Instagram and you can like it, Liz. You can like it and you can tell another audience about it. I'm going to print, to I'm gonna print it and put it in the real it. world. Yeah. I, I put, think exactly. Really... Put a rainbow behind it. And then a, like a... Kittens a, work better. It's just my, I'm happy yeah. with any adornment. Harry Styles' face, if you want. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be great to see, like, The Rock walk away from a couple just kissing instead of, like, an exploding house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just say a little witticism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, take, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, what would The Rock say in, the, in a sort of situation? So instead of blowing something up, he's got these two people together. Now I'll give you a bit of privacy. And then... <laughs> He's considerate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm imagining him saying something more punny like, and that's really dynamite. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Well, they liked that one. They liked that one. Or you say, Please, I need to get pitch? home to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to pitch for the, the rock walking away from the couple he's got together? On, on uh, a part of me is just, he's just searching for his car keys because he can't deal with emotion. He's like, oh. I have to get out. Like, just, oh, God. Oh, God. Is he looking to date you at this point? Oh, I would love it. I really would. I was just like, are we just going to eat food and text other people? I'm so into this. <laughs> um, speaking of which, you have a very famous uh, clip on the internet. I don't know if any of you guys have seen this, but it's absolutely brilliant. I'm on the internet, guys. She's on the internet. It's like half a million views. It's amazing. And it's about feminist sex positions. Can you explain where this came from? What the origin of the story is? I'm one of five kids. I'm really close, actually, with all my siblings. But one of my brothers, uh, he's about 10 years younger than me. And uh, he's lived with me for a while. He's really, he actually has come on the road with me. And um, he's, we're really, really close. He was actually, at this point, living with my little sister uh, not too far away from me in Brooklyn. We're always like sending like funny memes and texting and telling jokes. And I actually heard my brother. I like, came over to my sister's and I had her keys. And I walked in on my brother telling my little sister like those sexual position jokes. You know, you you come in her eye and it's called the pirate. Like it's always just something like really aggressive and it's always something that hurts the woman. And he was telling this one like a, a longer one to my sister and it was just pretty much like violence. And I found myself really disappointed. Like, I know it's a shitty thing to say about my brother, but like, I kind of raised him. And I was just like, A, I don't find this funny. And B, you're so much funnier than this. Like, why is this the joke that you're sharing with my sister? And it bothered me. Like, I, usually most of my material comes from like something bad happens to me and then I cry about it. And then I write a joke because that's the only way I know how to process. <laughs> Seagulls, okay, great. Um, 
this, I found myself really bothered by it because I'm so close to my brother and I couldn't let it go. And I was thinking about it for weeks. And I finally was trying to think what I would say to my brother in the moment if I could redo it. And it started to become this story I did on stage. And it wasn't actually that funny of a story, but I came up with like, why is it always the woman that kind of gets shamed? It's always something shaming, like come on her face or coming on her back or somebody else fucking her. It's just very aggressive and mean. And I was like, well, then I'll come up with a feminist exposition. So I came up with one. It's The joke started working. And I was like, I am funny. I remember this. Um, <laughs> and then my brother, who comes along with me, he saw it. And I, I actually was going to drop it because I only had one position. And life is about, like, the rule of three. And then my brother thought of an idea for another one. And then I was like, OK, this is almost done. I just have to think of a third one. And I came up with three. And I started making it more of a, a structured joke. And it soon couldn't follow it. It became my closer. And it was the only thing I could end on. I was getting, like, requests for it. Um, I did it on TV. It's like it's a joke that's helped my career really. Being a feminist can help your career, guys. <laughs> um, it's a it's a woman riding a dude. She gets the guy to about thirty percent of an orgasm, but she gets up and leaves. It's called the Equal Pay Act. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone got any questions? There's one at the back. Super. Thank you. You want to start a page called Kittens and Flowers for Men so they can... Because men need to respect femininity and allow themselves to be gentle for well, their own mental health. That's yeah. actually what I really love about Brene Brown. One of her books, it was literally like a 200-page book about everything that women are ashamed of, and it breaks each one down. And then the chapter on men, which she wants to expand, she goes, well, it's just about them not being manly enough. The whole thing is I'm yeah. just not manly enough. And what that kind of does to a society where men have to prostrate. I don't know if I'm using that right. I'm dyslexic. Um, but they're constantly having to live up to this model that's pretty much made up of what it means to be a man. And when you do that to, a, you know, just like we've kind of dealt with what it means to be a woman, when you do that to another gender where they can never show emotion, where they can never be gentle, when it's okay to not show up to your baby at four days. I did not know that fact about yeah, Scaramucci. That's yeah. crazy. I mean, he just he texts, a psychopath. literally but. texted, congratulations, I'll pray for him. That's crazy. What a cunty thing to do. But like, I think I spend too much time on Instagram, but that's what's beautiful about Instagram is that you can see like these men taking pictures of like rainbows and their children and talking about how they're excited to be a father and that this is a beautiful moment for them. Or, you know, I went outside and I just enjoyed it. And you're like, oh, these people are have these people. But, you know, they... They're just like we want to be seen as a that we have a range of emotions to be able to let men have that same range Mm -hmm. of emotions that they haven't been allowed to have either. I mean, that's become the main problem is they have to stay in their lane and always be stoic and manly. And we have to stay in our lane and be perfect all the time. I think that's where everybody's kind of hitting heads. Well, there's a lad in Ireland, a famous comedian called Blind Boy from the Rubber Bandits. And yay, I love him. I love, and he's trying to, like he goes on to a chat show called The Late Late Show. I'll explain what it is later, Deborah. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I would like to be on it. Yeah. Oh, you should. You yeah. would. Oh, my God. You would, you would kill Tuberty. Uh, <laughs> he wouldn't. <laughs> uh, try and play down that you're a feminist and just go on as a normal person. Um, 
what I love about him is he's trying to start a movement and get men talking more. There's a problem in Ireland with young men, especially in rural areas. And there's a very high suicide rate here uh, with young men. And I think Irish society, men are taught to keep their feelings in and to be a bit John Wayne about it. And it's not working. It's really hurting people. And he is trying to kind of push the conversation and get men to talk about being masculine in a different way. I think he's brilliant. But I think women... I find it hard because like, I'm doing a, like a TV show at the moment and they keep going, oh, it's great, it's for women, it's all going to be great because there's three women in it. And <laughs> so know. it's like the audience is women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? That really annoyed me. Some lad came up to me, he's like, oh, so that's your women's programme. And I was like, no, it isn't a women's programme. It's a programme I wrote. I happen to be a woman. I have two other lead actresses that are in it. It's actually just a programme. I just wanted to make a programme. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> I just <laughs> it drives me insane but I wrote these parts for men and they're small but I love the parts that I wrote for the men because I wanted to really put forward a part of Ireland rural Ireland that like men don't talk enough they don't express their feelings they're just vessels for pushing slurry and having a pint <laughs> do you know and they don't have any other emotion other than that and I just think I hope that Ireland is on I'm so sorry for the international listeners at home like I have put in so many local references but it's only because I love this country so much and I think it's so capable no, I think of change that's great like, I, like when you watch Gavin and Stacey there's yeah. so many Welsh references it doesn't make it less funny it makes it more funny and charming it gives it more dimension you feel it's really truthful that's because it was written, the Welsh stuff was written by Ruth Jones, who, who's mm. raised there. So I think it's fantastic that it's we uniquely get, and truly Irish. We should get a recording of that and put it before my show for, like, content warning. Uh, <laughs> content warning. This is a little bit Irish, <laughs> but it's fine. Stick with it. You'll learn. Yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, I've like, learned a lot today. Did you? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, God, loads. Loads of Irish things. The Angelos. <laughs> Angela's, Angela's, Angela's. No, that's an Italian oh. restaurant. That's. <laughs> I was like, I think that's my dad's middle name. Oh God, I'm sorry. The Angela's. Yeah. The Rose of Trolley tro- from Tipperary. The Rose of Trolley. That's the Rose of Trolley from Tipperary. Yeah. No, it's the Rose of Trolley. You sound like Trolley. It's like, like a beauty pageant named- for supermarket people. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Liz Mealy, is there anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, I have. Uh, I feel like Europe's not a album listener, but I have two albums. My first album, which has feminist expositions, is called Emotionally Exhausting. I think you're figuring out why. Um, and then uh, my second album came out a couple months ago. It's called Mind Over Melee, but that's all on the... Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that's all on the interwebs. And, um, and that's on iTunes? We can get those? Uh, yeah, you can get it on all the things that Brilliant. you buy things on. Um, so buy the album on iTunes because it's great to support artists because now we all have to work for free on the internet. That is so, true. And it's lovely to get things for free, but it's also lovely to pay for things so that people can afford to do more things. And then the girl that was talking about masculinity and kittens, my mom's a cat specialist and I have a cat and that's pretty much what my Instagram is. And it's just any man I've ever met holding a cat. So... <laughs> Okay, good yeah, to know. Yeah, good and, to know. and me, but if I see a boy holding a cat, I'm like, let's do this. Let's make this okay, happen. Great, so super. If you don't like that, don't follow your, me on Instagram. And that's your name on Instagram. Yeah, everything is at Liz Mealy. Mealy, Liz Mealy, and that's L-I-Z-M-I-E-L-E. And can I say, hello, Jenny Hannon. <laughs> ah! Hello, Jenny Hannon. I hear you're doing great work for feminism in Dublin, so I just wanted to say hello, and thank you for coming. Yay! And I didn't know you were in the centre 
of the front row. Um, but you do, you do brilliant work for homelessness in Dublin, yes? In Limerick. From Dublin, but you're in Limerick. Okay, the Dubliners now care a little less, but <laughs> would you like to be the charity of the week? Would you like to collect at the end? Great. Yay. What's your charity? Novus. Housing, health and recovery. Women in addiction. Okay, so for women who are in addiction, living in homeless hostels, and Jenny Hannan's doing wonderful work, and if you would like to give today, Jenny and her friend are going to be at the doors, and Tom's going to give you collection tins. Uh, but if you are at home and you would like to donate, what's the link? Novus.ie. N-O-V-A-S. And please donate generously. Alison Spittle, do you have anything to plug? Actually, I do. I've got a TV show coming out on RT2. It's <laughs> Um, it's called Nowhere Fast and it's a programme for people to watch (laughs) people it's a people's programme for humans for humans who like to watch humans (laughs) I'm also in the middle of a nationwide tour at this point you've missed a few Um, but if you go to my website there'll be tour dates there and feck it I'll tell you Um, I'm going to be playing Vicker Street uh, January 13th Sounds like a big deal. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, not to you, but to me it is. Oh, <laughs> I want to know, what is it? What is Vicar Street? It's a venue I've dreamed of playing since I was, like, starting oh. comedy. So, yeah. <laughs> so, that's uh, January 13th. <laughs> cool. Okay, and if you'd like to listen to my diversity-based comedy panel show, it's called Global Pillage, and it's at globalpillage.net. Alison's done it. I'd love Liz to do it if you're ever in London or if I'm ever yeah. in you. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, mean, New, I mean, New York. I didn't mean that to sound wrong. That sounded wrong. No, that sounds like really Mrs. Wrong. Brown's voice, doesn't it? <laughs> it really, really did. You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White. Yes, co-host, Alison Spittle, and our very special guest, the recording engineer was James Feeney. Music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Zielinski for the Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Bren and Caroline and everyone at the Joke Shop and Vodafone Comedy Festival, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Thank you, good night. <laughs> I love when foreigners come to Ireland. I'm and not they that go, far, and I'm not from that far away, and we both speak English. I don't know what. Uh, no, but you don't know our ways. Uh, you don't. Know. Um, like every every comedian that comes over here, by the way, from any country, they'll go to me. What a friendly, lovely place! And I'll go. Did you know they put 800 kids in a septic tank? <laughs> And I'll explain the whole history. I will. And it takes me all night and they're depressed by the end of it. And I'm like, I done my job. I done Enjoy it now in the full knowledge, you know. Hi, I'm Sophie Hagen. You may know me from such things as co-hosting episode 1 to 29 of The Guilty Feminist. I'm just here to let you know that I'm on tour of the UK and Denmark with my brand new stand-up show Dead Baby Frog, which is about emotional abuse. My whole tour is anxiety safe. It has gender neutral toilets and disabled access all around. Go to sophiehagen.com to find out what I mean by that, to find out where I'll be and to get tickets. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter. And why not listen to my new project, The Made of Human Podcast? Bye! 
mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com